ready? Ready for music? Reaction ready? Yeah, we are. Uh, Okay, here we go. Let's get to this. Jeff, you're reading it, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Welcome to Everyone Racers, a show designed for the world of low-dollar racing and oddball car culture. It doesn't matter what kind of La Champ or track dog you run, SCCA or NASA, we won't discriminate. We even think you drifto hella flush folks are, right? As long as you drive it hard and build it yourself. Join us each week for text discussions, tips, tricks, news and notes in the world of low buck racing, and if you're lucky, Chrissy might give you just a tip. Everyone report to the paddock. This is Chris. This is Chrissy. I'm Jeff. I'm mental. Hey, everybody. And Chris says. Chris <laughs> yeah, says. I said, hey, everybody, and you interrupted. Oh, hey, we are Edwin Racers. Thanks for coming back and listening to another Magnum episode of our podcast. Oh. Episode oh, they always fit 44. Well. Yes. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great way to start. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, on that so, note. Hey, Jeff, what are you working on if you're. you're All right. So, so wait, we, are t- we are recording this uh, T minus. Two days, two and a half days until we leave for the NASA pit race extravaganza. Mm-hmm. And uh, last weekend, while Chris and Chrissy were away from their house, I'll let them tell you where they were. Uh, I broke in. I pet the cats. <laughs> I made long distance phone calls. I uh, ordered lots <laughs> of was on their cable system. Awesome. Uh, I broke the Honda. I'll let Chris get into that. And I finished the Miata. Yay! Yay! That's great. So I drove the damaged trailer back with Chris's Suburban, left it in the yard, and then... Uh, right yard. Got this parking spot just right in the flower bed, right? Right, right in the dirt. <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, <laughs> no, I put, it, I put it where it belonged. No, you, you put it in a nice spot, and you left the trailer, yeah. the truck in the driveway, very nicely parked. Actually, you left everything very nice. Except the Honda, but we'll get to that. So I uh, put put the lower control. I basically got an entire corner suspension, rear suspension of the Miata, including the axle, for uh, 150 bucks. Slapped it on the Miata. Used the fantastic. uh, What are they? Flying Miata hub stands? Is that the brand, Chris? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, flying Miata. Flying Miata gave that sucker a basic, very basic. Uh, uh, alignment and drove home. Not only did I drive home, but for the last two days before I left for my lovely vacation, which I forgot to mention where I am, I drove the avalanche back and forth to work just to prove that it's not going to run out of gas again. Okay. So I have a theory, but I freely admit I fix nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you fix it. if, If it fixes, you put gas in it. And that's great. If then gas, I ran out of fix. gas, right? I mean, yeah. Well, in theory. In theory. So yeah, for those of you who don't know the uh, the twenty five hundred GM, what are they? GMT seven hundred, eight hundred. I don't know what Eight hundred. Eight Has two gas tanks, and I think be- my needle never gets below half tank, even when I'm flat empty. So I. Well, it's only the twenty five hundreds and this like we have that have this weird setup. Mentals has yeah. one gas tank. He has, we have that same 26-gallon tank. But then in addition to that, we have this 11-gallon pancake tank below the floor of the cargo area, right above the axle. And that has its separate pump to pump that 11 gallons into the main 26-gallon tank 
when you know as the the main tank runs dry. So my yep. bet is that transfer pump is bad on yours, and so that's always full in the back. It's never fill, it's never emptying out into the bigger tank, and therefore the gauge doesn't know what to think. And there you go. Well, this is how it worked. Uh, I hadn't driven the truck in a long time because of the broken spring. <clears throat> I fixed the spring. I looked at the gauge. It said half a tank. I drove it back and forth to Reading, which is about an hour and a half away. I took it to the Cub Scouts. I said, hmm, half a tank, that'll be plenty for the Cub Scouts. I drove it around at one mile an hour for <laughs> several hours. Idling with, with your, idling, your AC. Exactly. It's uh, my oh, 8.1 nope. oh. liter V8. And so, yeah, you're still getting terrible gas mileage even at one mile. Terrible gas much. And, you and still then know I started it driving it around town, and all of a sudden it stopped. And I said, well, it's not out of gas. The fuel level still says half a tank. Yeah, and I scratched my head and said, oh, it's been that way for about like a week and a half now. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. Put, put, put seven gallons in it. And it's run, been running great ever since. This That's what I got, got mental. Ain't got no gas in it. <laughs> <laughs> mental, I'm sure you have something to say about this. Actually, I don't uh, have something to say about the Avalanche. I wanted to point out that $150 for an entire rear suspension on a Miata is fantastic. But if you look at it from the perspective of you just spent 75% of what you spent on that total car to put a rear suspension in it. Oh, no, I spent oh, way, way more than that. <laughs> the, the metric dollars that I have put into my Miata just to give it away to my father um, is approximately 10 to 15 times what I spent on it. But, Which you know. is still an incredible steal. You can't buy me out of for that cheap. It ten but times. You have, you... have a great time in it this weekend. That I will. Yeah. I will absolutely. It you're gonna get exciting. your. You're gonna get your ten times out of it this weekend. That's Hell for sure. yeah! <laughs> so what is I'm this about? Beat it. You're rolling Friday. Hopefully before midnight. Yes, because what? I have to pick up you. Yeah, yeah. I I can be on the sidewalk with my bag ready to jump in. Yep, and that's because I'm going to be leaving early on Friday to go get the Civic tuned. And anyway, sorry. I'm sorry, it's not your turn. Oh, I thought that was a nice segue, man. Jeez, that was a great segue. Okay, why don't you tell us what you're working on? Yeah, it's too late now. Oh no, it's not. It gets better. Okay, so I uh, we went on a glorious vacation, uh, and we went to the Hamptons. We had friends for the weekend. It was awesome. Uh, We came back to our normal scramble. Work is crazy. Now we're getting ready for HPD. Okay. That's not why I'm saying this. So I have a story. My mom says your Miata is janky. (laughs) Okay. So in order to not burn pot, none of you know this is happening. Uh -uh. Uh, My mom told me a funny story and uh, this is what I've got. So she and Chris actually hasn't heard it. So my mom comes over on Saturday while Jeff is working on the janky Miata. She comes to feed the cats. Jenks uh, and Jeff was working on leaving. Jenks. Oh, my God. Did you just give him a call sign? Uh, sure. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. So you're, she's estimated like 8, 8, 8 p.m., right? You said hi, whatever. So my mom was sitting I said hi to Chrissy's mom, and I'm going to get it out of the way right now. Sure. I said hi to Chris's mommy, Chrissy's mom in real life. Eight? She, yep. so, she pulled up in her Mazda 5, and I waved hi. at her. Okay. So she's waiting, uh, sitting in front of my house in... Uh, waiting for my dad to come down the hill from my sister's house. Um, and they were there in separate cars. So Jeff leaves. She waves you or like says something. Goodbye. Yeah, so we she, talked for a moment. All right. So, she, so but both of you were in the car and you were leaving. So she's tired of waiting. She's like, OK, I'm just going to I'm going to just drive down the street. Something flies off Jeff's car. What? <laughs> and she sees it and she pulls over and picks it up. 
And then she was like, how do I get this back to Jeff? So she's trying to get your attention. No luck because you're just, you know, on your way. Like, I got to go. I was mad assing out of there. Absolutely. So you're trying to get out. And so she's trying to figure out how to get this back to you. So she tries, tr- tr- starts driving after you, but she apparently you're too fast. And then my dad says they're later. <laughs> well, he's a duh, he's a race car driver. So like, mom's trying to figure I out how to no get. I have no idea what fell off, everybody. I <laughs> <laughs> I'm on pins and needles right now. Hopefully, it's not a wheel. This flew, it flew off your car, and thank goodness it didn't hit my mom's car. My mom's trying to figure out how to get it back to you. So she's like, she was going to catch up to you, roll her window down, and throw it at you. And, um, and, but she couldn't catch up with you. So first of all, any ideas what this could be? Zero. Oh, zero point zero like, knowledge of what fell off my car. What? Because like, it, it's small enough for your mom to throw and big enough yep. to fly through the air. Yep. All of these uh, things. So okay. my, my oh, next... Oh, oh, oh I'm going to guess. Uh, okay. Okay, go ahead, guess. Is it the license plate? No, no, no. Uh, no. Uh. No. So so my next question is, since it's, it's I have not given you any clues, have Chris, have you put away your tools lately? And is it... <laughs> um, I put away most of them, and I haven't checked thoroughly because I've been in a hurry. <laughs> okay. Well, something is missing. Okay. And it should be... It, it's it it is a socket. It is a ten millimeter socket. It is an eighteen millimeter socket. Eighteen millimeter. My eighteen. That's 18? the only one. Your eighteen millimeter socket, which I my mom has sent me a picture, and she um and I looked in your drawer and it absolutely is the uh, it, last night when you cleaned your tools the eighteen is the only one that is missing. Wait wait deep or shallow? I gotta deep. know. Deep. It was the good the iron wheel. one, like the so, good is it one. The wheel? Was it using no, the it's the, the wheel. No, it's it's something else. It's the it's a it's an impact socket, but I only use it on GM things. That's so I don't. I so it's why I haven't noticed it's missing. Oh, oh, I thought we use it for something else. No. So well, we definitely use it on the Miata, and I yeah. know exactly what the last thing was that I bolted on it. Right. Yep. So then, and and it flew off, and it should be in our storm drain right now. If it weren't for my mother stand, driving behind you, the bigger problem is is that if she was anywhere closer to you, and this actually hit her car. Her windshield, something like that. This actually could have been an actual problem. I don't, I don't know how that would have flown anywhere. Well, hey, the le- it was attached to a wheel. So why why didn't it come know. back to the house when your mom was here twice today? Oh, it did. Oh, okay. I had it. I hid it from you, and oh, I she's put got it, it in her pocket. <laughs> got it. I I had it in my hand, and then I put it in a box, and I will give it back to you after the show. So, so just the tip. Keep your tools in the toolbox, not in your car, folks. That is not the so my my mom tells me this. She's like following the janky Miata, and so now she, <laughs> this is, she now uses our vernacular. Mom, sorry, not sorry, and she didn't want to get you in trouble, but she told <sighs> a hilarious story. So, um, don't when you borrow things from people and you're. <laughs> Go back and listen to the beginning of this show because the whole front of the show is Jeff was like, I did a great job. I put tools away. I did. I did. Things. Well, you didn't because one of them ended up on our street and almost hit my mom's car. <laughs> well, fantastic. Okay, Chris, what are you working on? I finished the motor in the Civic. It runs fine. It has oil pressure. All is well. Yay. Yay. And on Friday, the reason Chrissy's not coming with me is I have to leave work at 1130 to make it to the dyno to have it tuned at the appointment I could get on Friday. And it's already an hour and a half west of here, which is an hour and a half closer to pit race. So I am not coming back. So Jeff's going to pick up Chrissy on the way and we'll meet you all there. Uh, Hopefully before midnight. Yeah. (laughs) 
I'm not holding my breath. All right. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Uh, Look, um, either we're going to be there fine or we ain't getting there. That's it's going to be terrible. It's either so, going to uh, hella break or it's going to be hella fine. It'll be hella fine. I'm just, not, way, just not usually Jeff, the most punctual person. So. Jeff, do not, do not text while you're driving. And oh, he won't. I'm, oh, won't. I'm coming with him, so I can text. That's right. I will but not I, be touching my phone I, with Chrissy I, in the I might, car. I might millimeter, some, 18 millimeter socket like brass knuckles. Mm. No, I might feed you some, uh, what, M&M's. Right. <laughs> That's okay. So <laughs> I've also had to fix the Civic because Jeff broke it. In the time, he, basically, you, what, you put it on the, on the, off the lift, backed it out of the garage, let it run very nicely, gave it a heat cycle, which I asked you to do, and then at the end, pulled it back in. Okay. We Correct. have the whole front bumper off, the whole front bumper assembly. It's the bumper cover, the air dam, and the splitter. All comes off as one piece now. After that, there's a support piece that kind of sticks out the front that's, that holds the, the, the splitter up. When Jeff came back into the garage, that support piece got caught on the lip of the driveway, bent back, and yanked the threads out of the, the, thread, the bung on the bottom of the intercooler and yanked that whole oh. thing out. So... I didn't know this until I looked at it and said, oh, oh, look at that thing is bent. So I had to take it apart. I had to, Eventually what I did is I, there are three support bungs at the bottom of the intercooler. I had to cut the middle one off, which is what this one was. So now it's only held up by two because that one was totally fragged. And then bolt the support bracket to the previous tab. So it's all back together now. I think it's fine, but that was an hour I wasn't excited about spending. Um, hey, I, I also well, made a nice I, jacking point too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, so for those of you who think that, oh, well, you know, some random place on the bottom of the support bracket, how would Jeff know it's there? Chris, do you want to tell him how Jeff should know it's there? Because you made it and put it on. Because I'm the one that built it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And you swear that you didn't hear any kind of crash, scrape, no, nothing? Oh, no, I heard a scrape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So. I, I looked underneath. I didn't see what it was. Yeah. So anyway, I made a nice jacking point, too, because with a splitter, you couldn't get to the front jacking point at all. So what I did is I made a sandwich plate, one on each side of the splitter, bolted them together, and then on the top side of it, I welded a piece of roll cage tubing. So it's between the splitter and the cross member, and it actually touches the cross member just barely when the splitter's on. So if you jack at the bottom of the jacking point under the splitter, it just pushes up into some roll cage tubing onto the cross member, and you can jack it right up without taking the splitter off. So I was pretty pleased with myself for that. And, so Jeff uh, created an opportunity for improvement. Well, it had nothing to do with Jeff's thing. That was just sure. a different hour that I had to spend fixing something. So anyway, all done. Mental, what are you up and up to? Mental, sorry. It took us a long time to get to <laughs> no, you. It's all good. <clears throat> now, I, I, we've been looking at the numbers lately, and we've actually picked up a lot of listeners that like probably aren't our friends and don't know us. And I want to point out that at the sorry. racetrack. So sorry. Jeff, <laughs> yes, we're, we're so sorry, but thank you. Uh, Jeff is like the clutch guy. When the car comes in on the hook, Jeff's the guy. So don't go thinking like Jeff's incompetent. Jeff just had a bad day. <laughs> Lots of enthusiasm. Yeah. <laughs> bad day? A bad experience three weekends. The the incompetent guy is me. I'm I'm the one breaking stuff. So so all right. Uh my what am I working on? So yes. as you What are you working on? I don't know. You you tell us. Notice, Major Ward is back. Uh Intro week for my cadets, so we've actually got, we started out with two, we've got eight cadets that have been showing up this week, learning basic facing movements, doing PT, making us look good, running laps around the school. My assistant principal comes up and goes, are those your cadets running? Yes, they are, sir. Those are my cadets, running a mile. So now, and then Saturday, I get to the opportunity 
opportunity to spend a great bit of time with some outstanding young folks having fun at the Drive Strong Atlanta Teen Driver Training. That's uh, supported by BMW and Atlanta Motorsports Park. So I had three, uh, actually all buddies in my car. Their parents all paid for them to come to this driving course. It was really interesting because we simulate a lot of real-world emergency situations and teach the kids how to deal with the car. And it was the dynamic was funny because when we first started out, every time they got a little bit of wheel spin, they'd immediately freak out and back off. And what we're, we really want them to induce wheel spin. We want the car out of control because we want them to initiate the recovery procedures. And you, you've all, if you got three friends, you've got that one crazy one. And so the one crazy one got the wheel, and he full up took this BMW for a 360, and all his friends were like, ah! And they looked at me like I was going to yell at him. I'm like, okay, no, now this is good. Now I want you to initiate the recovery procedures. And the rest of the day, they had no problem putting that car over its limits, including what Chrissy would love is our favorite exercise, where we establish an autocross course, and then we have them drive the autocross course while we deliberately distract them. We make them post something on Instagram or tweet, or I had them searching satellite radio, and their friends were in the back screaming, and we're making a bunch of racket. And every time we hit a cone, I'm like, by the way, that's a $500 wheel. That's a mailbox that just cracked your windshield. That's Any small children? Yeah, that's nice. a four-year-old that lives down the street. Nice. So <laughs> kind of reinforce that lesson. They're like, yeah, you're kind of mean and loud. And one of the instructors said, I can hear you in the car. At the other end of the course, you wanted him to put it on liquid metal radio station. Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> That's so awesome. I accomplished our goal. Excellent. All right. Yeah, we, we, we thought something. I just say, we, yeah. we definitely could tell that, that you are back to uh, to school because you're, you have much less hair and a lower blood alcohol content. So that's a pretty good indication. Yeah. So, right. so mental, these are like high school freshmen you have running around, right? Uh, at school, high school freshmen for the Drive Strong Atlanta, it's anyone that has had their license less than a couple of years and or just had uh, the three guys in my car just had a learner's permit. But yeah, these no, are all freshmen. These are all 15-year-olds. Thanks yeah, for no, corrupting gonna, the youth, Mental. This is wonderful. Exactly. I was going to ask when those uh, high school freshmen are running around in a mile, do you uh, put on your little shorts and show them how it should be done or do you just sit in the corner and tell them to go faster? I, uh, I've actually got my uh, my cadet deputy commander and one of my operations commander were out running with them and so she's out there embarrassing them hey you need to run faster you need to run faster i saved the real humiliation for when pt comes although i did do uh push-ups with them today and had to school them on that a little that's all righty cool say time for news and notes news and notes fantastic so uh, mentally you want to start us off with what happened at champ car all right so we're skipping everything else I thought Champ Car was the first thing on the list. Champ Car. Oh, Champ Car. I'm sorry. Never mind. Champ Car. I've got that up for Jeff. So Champ Car at Brainerd International Raceway. We had some picks last week, uh, and we've highlighted what some of these teams did. Spoiler alert, we're still bad at this. Sure. We'll 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 just keep it quick. That's all. Okay. (laughs) Team Quadrophilio, the Alfa Romeo, uh, didn't do so well on Saturday. Um, We're 23rd overall, and then 3rd on Sunday, so they brought it back. No, no, no. They only got three laps on Sunday. They were 23rd both days. I'm sorry. Uh. I didn't. <laughs> oh, that's a, an important number wah, to miss. Wah. Okay. That's so very but well. here's the that's... thing. The difference between 23rd place and champ car is apparently 76 laps because they got 23rd place with three laps and 23rd place with 79 laps. Oh, well, okay. fantastic. Oh, wow. Good for them. Uh, the mow them down. Acura TL got 19th and 15th. So well done. Well done, gentlemen. <laughs> Jeff, hey, we got you want, for you in there. I was going to say, if you want consistency, 1986 Oldsmobile Cutlass. That's Heck Eric yeah. Rude's pick. 
got 22nd on both days. There we go. So they must have well, had at least like a, there's a whole lot of movement 80. around. So they got, yeah. they got 70 on one day and four on the four. other. Four, exactly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's apparently enough. And, and that's not true, Northern Shiners. We just didn't have time to throw your laps in. The IF Mo- IFW Motorsports put up my two V8-powered picks. The 1999 Pontiac Firebird. They got seventh on Saturday and stepped that up to fourth on Sunday. And all I can say is, yeah! Hey, Jeff, all right. why don't you tell everybody where you are? Because we can hear all the uh, the frolicking behind you. Oh, so. oh sorry. Yeah, I, did, I forgot to get to that. Yeah. So I am in lovely Knobles, which is a, a family-owned... Uh, uh, amusement park in central Pennsylvania. I'm literally in a picnic grove next to a babbling brook. So if you hear people shouting, I'm not killing children. They're just enjoying <laughs> the log flume. Uh, um, they say, dad, 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 over and over again. Yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. My, uh, back, back to racing. My family is, is doing some mini golf. So uh, I stole an hour to do the podcast. Excellent. All right. Back to racing. So, speaking of Lucky Dog, uh, they were at WeatherTech Laguna this weekend. Uh, the Pring Mantis won overall day one. And a BMW, and if I had it queued up, I would have... Boring. Boring. Mm-hmm. But my boys in the Screaming Chicken in there, Trans Am, well, they finished 48th out of the 55 oh. cars that started. Hey, Blue Cheetahs, day two, they took the overall. There we go. Cool. All right, I was moving away from the picnicking family, so it's hopefully I'm a little clearer now, and I have no idea where we are on the notes. So, All right, uh, so uh, also man. now the uh, Screaming Chicken Boys actually managed ninth on Sunday in their Trans Am. Yeah. But, uh, Jeff, as we talked about, and I'll let you take this, the uh, WRL Grand Prix. Oh, yeah, so um, let me see here. I, I have the first thing on that. Let me get there. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Uh, so as we talked last this week, WRL Peachtree Grand Prix. Uh, basically, Saturday there was RNR Racing one with 284 laps. Sunday DNF uh, GP two was Noises. How do we pronounce that? Any idea? I, 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 I copied it bases. I think no- no- Noises. Noises. Like Jersey with, uh, when you 200... say noises. Like... Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they got 291 laps. So GP2 actually got more laps than GP1 on Sunday, uh, but would lose by 23.8 seconds to Chris's favorite, the Clown Shoe, Clown Shoe Motorsports. Wow. Not Chris's favorite, but there it is. Um, that, was, so, that was your pick. That was Chris's pick. Yeah, that was picture. Yeah. yeah. So GT3 went to Casey Carden, 213, and an NA Miata with 281 Woo! laps. Wow. But lost by two laps after battling a leaking axle seal boot. My brain right now is going <laughs> axle seal boot. Oh. Did I seal <laughs> did you, that? Did you do that? Oh, no. no. Uh, <laughs> GT4, Team Hoser, both days. Uh, the other car DNF'd because there was only two in GT4. And GTO did not get won by my favorite DSMs. Uh, overall <laughs> Sunday was handily won by BBY Racing, number four Mustang with 307 laps. Okay, so we're getting into some controversy here. Um, there's an email release. Uh, WRL had this to say, so stay with us. It's a little bit long, but uh, good controversy here. Good controversy, if you could say that. Mm-hmm. Okay, WRL. 
<laughs> Drama we um WRL and numerous competitors suspected one of two car team making horsepower well in excess of the claimed by the team. Following an official protest by a competitor, series officials utilized an electronic device to verify their horsepower pursuant by a, a, to appendix B a but not as blah 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 the rule book. Uh, this device is also installed in five other cars, including class winners on Saturday's Enduro. WRL's horsepower estimations from the onboard electronic devices correlated with the competitors' declarations and the dyno plots, with the exception of the team in question whose car showed power numbers slightly above their claimed no, power. Significantly above their significantly claimed power. Significantly. Significantly. That's not, Done. Sorry, Done. Not, oh. not a word you want to mess up here. In addition to the team's second car was protested by having an oversized fuel cell. Upon Seward's inspection... It is. It was discovered that the pro, the provenance provenance of the car and its factory fuel capacity had been misrepresented by the series. The team uh, to, to w- the series to the series. Gosh, do you want to read this? The team well, was made, kind of kind of critical. The team was made aware of the infraction and an attempt to allow the team to arrive and to their team. And they arrive. I'm tired. Uh, the drive customers <laughs> <laughs> to compete. They were assigned by assigned a max fuel a max fuel limit uh, commensurate with 115 of the OEM capacity. Oh, 115 percent. The team initially compiled, but later bypassed this maximum fill rule by refueling twice in the six lap window at the end of the race, adding fuel in, in excess of the re- the revised market capacity. Chief Stewart deemed this to be an attempt to go gain advantage in violation of the intent. Blah blah blah. Okay, good. Go. So WRL goes on to state, due to the flagrant nature of the stated horsepower violation, the fuel-related offenses, and the general attitude of this team toward the series and its competitors, and the team's repeated denial of any infractions, one of the team's cars received a disqualification from the event, and the team principals received a lifetime ban from the series. Yo, this is some serious stuff. Yeah, totally. So you're next, so, Jeff, by the way. Oh, okay. So on the Facebook group Endurance Racing USA, the team who built the car have given a very technical and thorough discussion of defending their build and their horsepower representation. It's fascinating, but divisive uh, discussion going on. Uh, Reports from some anonymous witnesses at the event, as well as some vocal ones on Facebook. The attitude of the team was very hostile at the track, according to them. And even though the engine discussion is ongoing, there is no mention of the fuel. And more importantly, no one is mentioning the second part. And again, we quote from the email from WRL. Following the event and award ceremony, a member of the team in question entered one of their race cars that remained on pit road after impound and proceeded to do a burnout at high speed through a crowd of drivers, their what? crews, guests, and families, including small children who had gathered for the trophy presentation. The driver of this car fled after being confronted by the series and track security while they attempted to escort from the property. This driver is no longer allowed on road Atlanta property. Holy so Damn. talking to some folks, they they were not doing well with the penalties they'd be end of size, and the guy decides to do a burnout, and then yeah, and just like New Jersey, Road Atlanta, that's Georgia State Trooper territory. So when you get involved with law enforcement on uh, Road Atlanta, you're having a talk with the Smokey the Bear. Well, someone's taking things a little too seriously all uh, around. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Now, now, for those of you who might not be familiar with the WRL, since we have a lot of new listers, they are the World Racing League, and they use a horsepower-to-weight classing system, and yes. they base that horsepower off of what you declare. So you show up with a Civic, and you say, look, I did nothing to it. It's X amount of horsepower. Or you or, say, hey, I added you- headers and this and this. Here's a dyno sheet. 
proving what I did. They also do it based on uh, what your your OEM representation is. And then you can claim a modifier. So if you say, well, the OEM horsepower is this, and I modified it with headers, then they, they, they clash you accordingly. It's, yeah, you get like a, a plus one. Correct. Yeah, sure. yeah. All right. Well, anyway. All right. Don't well, be, hey, don't be a jerks. jerk. Listen, don't listen. Be a jerk. They need to listen to our episode of How Not to Be a D Bag at the Racetrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, we didn't mention not doing burnouts in the paddock when there's a bunch of people around. Maybe yeah. we should. We mentioned. We, we did mention engine. revving that's, the engine uh, near children right, and yeah. pedestrians. Yeah, that's right. Hey. In fact, I think we called it the biggest D Bag rule ever. Uh huh. Hey, but you know what's a great <laughs> place? To rev your engine, not at children, but just because revving your engines are fun, mental. Ooh, that's an excellent. So, Extreme Experience. That's right. Rev your engine at Extreme Experience because they put you in the driver's seat of the world's best supercars at over 20 racetracks in America and Canada with no speed limits, no shifting restrictions, and no governors. Head over to xxspeed.com and choose your supercar, find a racetrack near you, and start making a story of your own because they've got seven exotic models of supercars to choose from. They have 20-plus tracks in a year-round location in New Orleans, Louisiana, with my loved 3,200-foot straightaway. Pro instructors like Chris, Jeff, or this weekend, me, Mental Ward, at New Jersey Motorsports Park with extreme experience. Come on down. Bring the kids, folks. In the car with you, helping you explore the car's limits and learning how to drive the racing line. Save 25%. That is 25% when you use the code EveryoneRacers, all one word, at XXP to book today. Extreme experience. Folks, it's your turn. It's my turn. Hey, Mental, are you uh, riding the, the Nighthawk up for, for this one again? The VFR? And the VFR, yeah. No. But you know what? I did get my heart, my GV hard bags installed on there, so the next time you see Ooh. me on the VFR, I won't have a backpack. Fantastic. Uh, he said hard bag. <laughs> s- s- plural. Uh-huh. Um, say some listener feedback. This is from Steve the Dishwashing Fairy to Jeff. Says Jeff, you're a hella sweet wrench. I'm a but terrible wrench, but even I know you can't wrench on rust or the empty spaces where metal once resided. I discovered that the sad day we found terminal rust in the wagon van. Let the avalanche go. Some redneck can go somewhere can put it to good use. Not naming names. <laughs> she so, happens to be a redneck on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. That is legitimate feedback. I did not coach that. Right. Uh, so, we already said hi to Chrissy's mom, so let's get to the main topic. I'm going to start us off. So we are talking driver setup. Um, so I had suggested this uh, topic because I, the last HPD, um, so first of all, I'm just going to tell you to get Ross Bentley's book. That's the answer. Uh, we, we all listen to his podcast, uh, Speed Secrets, and if you don't, you should. Uh, but I admittedly oh, didn't. Didn't know much about him. So, sorry, not sorry. Just I just didn't. Um, so, the last HPD we went to, the classroom talk, uh, referenced his book about 15 times. So, I caved and bought it, and everybody was like, oh, I found this in here, and I found this in here. I'm just like, okay. So, I bought it. So, I'm not all the way through it yet, but he breaks down into a few sections, uh, which pair nicely together. And the first chapter talks about the importance of driver setup. So, that includes uh, seat, steering wheel, how well you can reach a shifter and pedals, gauge setup, and more. So that's what's uh, driving this conversation today. So we spent, uh, especially since we spent a good amount of time in the car, having a po- having a, the proper setup is super important. Only uh, often if you have a few seconds to check your gauges while you're going on straight, it has to be self-explanatory. So you just have to be comfortable. Okay, so I'm going to start on the uh, the topic of seat position and comfort. 
So when I think you're when I think and often when you're buying, excuse me, building a car, you just put the seat in and that's what's around. Um, you, I know in our circle of friends, we have swapped seat in every vehicle. Many times the uh, we need a second seat for the passenger for instruction, and we'll just take whatever's fit and is legal and just good enough. So you're but when you're sitting the whole time, the most important, more importantly, you have the driver feel through your butt. Um, the, and of course, uh, Ross Bentley says every and every time they say it, nicer than just talking about your butt. Um, but the seat's actually the most important thing in the driver's setup. So there are many aspects that go into the seat positioning, size, and a whole bunch of other things that I'm going to uh, talk about. But those are two major aspects to uh, consider. Positioning has to do with with seats on sliders to accommodate different size drivers, which we do. Um, and if so, the, the, the slider should go up and forward uh, to make the sh- make it help for people that are shorter um, and make make it go uh, get, be closer and have better feel. Yes. Just a quick thing. that just want to clarify that because I think this is a big help for people who haven't put their sliders in. Like When you put them in, put them in at a big angle so that the short people go up higher because the front of it's angled up higher than the back. And then the mm. tall people go back lower so they get more clearance on the roll bar. So it's actually a way you set up putting the sliders in that will help more than just forward back for people. So. Mm, good point. Okay, so sometimes the seat's stationary and use little back pads to boost you up closer to the pedals. While this works, it's not ideal because you lose some of that feel um, because your back is buffered against that pad. Also, size. Okay, this is the other one. Uh, relative to all your drivers on your team, which is obviously complicated because most people don't have the same size drivers. Um, uh, we had a Kirky, which was in, uh, was, which is a one piece all metal set with a dinky cushion on top, um, in the boat. And I was completely dwarfed by this seat, um, even with the padding. So my arms didn't fit inside when they were close. So I had to drive with my elbows outside the metal containment. I was trying to come up with what, what my, what I look like when I sit like this. Um, but I couldn't come up with a, way to explain it you look like cannibal lector when he's being wheeled around on the uh, hand truck and introduced to the governor that's a good thought that's exactly what you look like okay well, yes. the, those, I don't the, need, I don't the need sides people, of though. the Kirky are meant for, for larger, ample gentlemen to hug their torsos, and their arms just drop right down, right? But you, right. you, you could basically tuck your elbows in next to you inside the thing. So yes, so um, I, but I think I had to drive most of it with the outside because it didn't fit exactly inside, um, and it's not comfortable. So I, I used to tuck one arm in sometimes. Well, just, I mean, but so one. it was. Either way, it was completely miserable. I was bruised when I got out. I was sore, um, and obviously I couldn't do my best driving because actually. Um, then I, I had completely sad recollection of actually driving that car. Um, so another, con- <laughs> it's true. I was like thinking about this. I was like, I just hated that seat. So I hated driving the car. Um, did, so another important consideration is FIA certification. Is is, is it required in your series where you're going to drive? Um, does the seat pass tech inspection for your series? Um, some places don't have adjustable seat backs. They won't allow that. So is your seat expired? So you don't ha- need. So you need a seat back brace. That's a, a really common thing that's that's um, happening in the series these days. Um, so some materials to consider. Aluminum is cheap, can be strong, easiest to make mounts for usually, um, and you can drill it through anywhere. Steel frames uh, with padding are cheap heavy and effective fiberglass excuse me fiberglass kevlar are preferred as lighter weight uh, and better support carbon is the same but lighter next one uh halo or not halos are good to keep your head in place uh but avoid and avoid the need for a center wind uh, center and window net in some series but do make emergency egress more difficult because you can't get out of them and they kind of block your door um and they're also more expensive so plan accordingly Really take into consideration how your seat is set. It might take you longer to put the sliders on, but everything you add to make the driver more comfortable is totally worth it. 
Make sure you move the seat before you put your belts on. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Especially yes. Up. Mm-hmm. yes. First mm-hmm. thing, seat, right spot. Okay, now belts go. Yep. Okay. Yes. Eventually, we want to go. All right. Now I know that we all travel different cars, and, I, and I, I'm not humble bragging, but I think I, I think I do it more than you guys. I think I sit yeah. in more race cars a year. You guys get more no, laps. You totally I think do. I sit in more race cars. Yeah. So let's start with. Let's we'll start with the communication aspect of it. Now, well in advance, you're going to need to know what radio setup they have. Normally, the big question is NASCAR or IMSA. And for those who may not understand the difference, it's the plug. NASCAR is the big plug. Think like a guitar amplifier. And IMSA is the same width, but it's usually a stubby one. You can get a converter fairly cheap, but if you're like me, you forget that until you show up at the track, say like when I get into the Honda. You're not the only one. I know. Well, you know, and just today, while I was typing that up, I just went onto eBay and typed in converter, and I, it's on its way. It'll be here Tuesday because stop goofing off, mental. Get the equipment you need. So IMSA's the short, stubby one. Now, <clears throat> I've even showed up with a, a team that I, they ran an old-school five-pin radio setup, like the, like the old keyboard connector from back in the day that you used on your, uh, on your desktop computer. So don't assume your, your setup's going to work even if the plugs are correct. You're going to have to get in the car, turn it on, plug it in. On certain occasions, different headsets and converters, they don't like digital radios or they don't like analog radios or your microphone impedance isn't correct with the setup, and I'm not smart enough to understand all that. I know uh, Jim is, and Jim's done some work with us on that before, but I've, had, I've gotten into cars where my mic didn't work but my headphones did, and you need to know that long ahead of the time. So as soon as you get to the track, get in the car, check your communication, which segues into point two. Now, Chrissy gave a lot of really good information about seating and comfort. And in endurance, this is key. And Three Pedal Mafia does a really good job of accommodating all sizes, particularly. And Chris, you mentioned the sliders you use. Go ahead and say those again, though. Well, I just usually modify stock. The Honda have modified stock sliders, but the biggest difference is just making them at an angle. So when the seat no, is the, back, the, it is the, well. She said the, oh, the other ones? Jeep oh, the Jeep ones, Because yeah. they're, yeah, the they're double-locking and they're safe. Oh, yeah, Jeep TJ Wrangler. So a 97 to 05 Wrangler. They look exactly like the ones that Sparco sells you. And Sparco charges $100 for them. And you can buy them at a boneyard for 30 bucks off a of Wrangler because no one else wants them. But they are flat, um, even side-to-side, double-locking. And I like the fact that they've had to pass OEM crash you know, crash tests for all these things. So you know they're, they're, they're going to be pretty six good. Bra- there's six brass pins in there locking them up. Crazy. Oh, yeah. Can you use that on, on any car? The, the, bolts, it, the bolts, or you, you make a bracket make, you if you have to. You have to make brackets, to. right? You have to make yeah. brackets. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. The, but the okay. nice thing about them is that they're even on both sides because a lot of cars have uneven ones. Like one side is up higher and the other one's lower and they're different lengths and different widths. Porsche. These are, ex- these are exactly um, they're mirror, square. Right, they're mirror image and square and they're only like an inch thick. So they really don't add yeah. much height either, where some of them are a lot thicker. So mm-hmm. Jeep TJ. Which is helpful when you're doing top. a seat. They, they also have a bar that goes across both of them. Yep. So the adjuster is a giant handle. Not yeah. giant handle, but it's but very it's a good easy solid to find. piece when you're yep. wearing a good solid piece, right? Yeah. yeah. Not but we've just had like that one in, little tab. We've used that that bracket in the Rolls Royce, and we used it We used it in the passenger seat for the Civic. I just made a bracket, and it bolts right in and out. It's really easy. So, Thanks, Mental. Yeah. So now a lot of the teams that I run with, they're, they're, there's some 
bigger fellows. It's, uh, let's say, linebacker build. But in contrast, uh, Todd Carver and Rocksteady Racing out there, they run a really tight seat, which genuinely I prefer. In fact, that's what I have on my daily driver. I fit in that and I enjoy it. But some of the other teammates have been unable to drive, even if they fit in the seat because their legs hit their steering wheel. Now, road and mm. track and friends, they run a flat bottom Sparco wheel, steering wheel for this reason, because it's got some thick thighs in there. And there's also just a slight difference in body types. And Chrissy touched on this because Chrissy is not a, a, a short person. Person. she's fit but you're not like you know a little you're not a little tiny person I'm so not. so we're talking about now the first time i ever drove black betty in aer i fit in the seat just fine but the shoulder brace was digging right into the top of my ball of my, my rotator socket of my shoulder and it was miserable like being pinched by mr spock the entire time but it was a, a kirky seat that she'd mentioned so we were able to take a rubber mallet and make a fine adjustment to get it just <laughs> outside the shoulders you can't do that with a fiberglass or carbon seat you're going to want to know that well ahead of time you may have to adjust some padding so sit in the car and on top of that just from a safety perspective you need to practice ingress and egress they talked about the halo seats some of that stuff's going to catch where's your radio cord on this one where's your uh, your your cool shirt all of that and then finally the last thing you got to know the car so put on your helmet put on your hans get into the car and sit down and look can you see the mirrors can you see the mirrors on the outside where are your blind spots going to be especially if you're driving with a halo seat next you want to talk to the builder and the team principal sometimes they're the same people sometimes they're not talk to the main wrench what are they looking for what are they worried about what's going to break what's been giving them problems what do they know and what do they need to know from you what issues have shown up before and what systems do you need to monitor where is that gauge that gauge on the system that they told you to monitor and when you're sitting in the car with your helmet and your hans on can you see that gauge do you know how to read that gauge do you know what's good what's bad on that gauge and do you understand it and chris i know you've got some further information on this I just love the fact that you're even thinking about this as the guy who puts the car together and has to fix it when it breaks. This fact that someone else is thinking about, hey, do I know what the gauges are and what they should be so we, we're in good shape before we start? So big wet kiss for you on that. Thank you. <laughs> so, <clears throat> dentist is great. Thanks for the nice segue, Mantel. Let's talk about driver information in the car. A lot of this depends greatly on how modified your car is and how much you and your team will actually care about it. Uh, for a fairly stock car, keep it simple. Get an oil and water temp, oil pressure. That's all you really need, just to make sure that you're not going to melt down and you have some oil pressure. There you go. As you get more modified, you might want some more things, like we have uh, air-fuel ratio, exhaust gas temperature, boost. We have all those as well. Uh, volts is nice to know, so when you throw your uh, alternator belt, Chrissy, you, you, you might have some idea why the car is <laughs> Wait, that, well. that gauge is actually doesn't work, right? <laughs> Uh, it, it's no, okay when not. it's zero oh, yeah. okay good and that red light on the dash that looks like a battery don't worry about that that's fine too no i so. no, I, I did okay on that one <laughs> so inflammable anyway, means flammable <laughs> who knew <laughs> right so, <laughs> you need to have gauges that are important to you and your setup um you know you don't want to have a just a useless gauge um, like we had the boost gauge for a long time before we had boost and so it was kind of useless but <laughs> I had the hole in the dash, so I left it there. Uh, anyway, everyone just started to ignore it. They still ignore it for the most part. Uh, really, <laughs> you said, what does it look? It was like it's got numbers yeah, What's the boost? Right, yes. How's right, that gauge? This is, exactly, this is exactly what we should be talking about. Don't do. Right? Do not uh -huh. do this. Don't yes. be like us, kids. That's a lot of Danger people. They learn from us. Danger to manifold. Uh-huh. Yeah. So... You have to make the gauges easy to read. Um, put the most important ones at the top, closest to eye level, so people can see them more easily. Rotate your gauges in their holes so that 
the needle when it's where it should be is pointing straight up. That way someone can quick glance at the gauges. Are all the needles pointing straight up? If they are, fantastic. I don't have to look at them anymore. If they're I love up, that. I love it. Yeah, I think it's great. Up, then that's when you know you I'm, have I'm to look at more detail. I'm erasing stuff in my notes as you speak. Keep oh. going. <laughs> my notes were there before yours. You knew it was I there. know. I know. I wrote from here. Go on. All keep right, going. Fine. <laughs> so, um... Also, you can consider writing on the gauge panel or putting stickers on it, like where the bad zone is. Like, I love this. We drove one of Spank's cars. I think it was the Moke. And all it has is, an, is a tack and an oil pressure gauge. No, no oil pressure. Water temp. That's all it has. So the, uh, the oil pressure gauge has a, a Sharpie line written that says slow. And then a little further up the gauge, it says pit. And then a little further up the gauge, it says stop now. So... Anybody can be in the car, and if it's if it's clear enough toward the, those, you have clear instructions of what you're supposed to do with those. So, uh, if, if you especially you have a different people in your car, and or you really just think your teammates are all just total idiots and need that extra help, fine, do it. Put something on there, right, mental? Absolutely. Now, and uh, I, I talk about the different teams. I run with two teams that run a really nice aim dash, and both of them, interestingly enough, are running different. They're running Miatas, two different generations of Miatas, but the aim dashes have alarm lights on the side for what you and you can set them up for different things because they're completely programmable. And both of them have completely different alarms because they're concerned about different things. Mm-hmm. One of the things we didn't have running uh, Maryland last weekend is we didn't have an alarm set for overheating because primarily that car. Cars always run in the fall and then spring in colder areas. This is the first time we ran in Kentucky in the summer. So we had overheating issues, and we had to know, because it was all on that tiny little aim day, uh, dash, where the temperature reading was. And we, we made it a team policy to give a temperature reading every time you came down the main straight. Cool. Oh. Good to do. Especially a way to, if you forget, if your team is slacking on something, you need them to pay attention to it. Make a rule mm-hmm. like that, because that gets the attention. So if, if your car's a manual, you need a tack. Stock tacks are often wrong, actually. Like ours, for example, <laughs> really, ours is ours is about yep. 500 RPM off near Redline. And I've compared it to what the readout is in the ECU when we get it hooked up to the laptop. Uh, the autometer is much closer. That's only about 100 RPM off. So really, the, on our Honda, this gauge can say 7,000, and we're still not at the, at the limiter, And it's even though it's set lower than that. Um, so just get something that's accurate. <clears throat> even better than gauges are big idiot lights potentially even with alarms if your team really needs that you can do that too it's like we have a trailer marker light as an oil pressure uh, gauge is that why you put that punchy box thing in the boat the last time i drove it oh yeah <laughs> yeah i, thought when I only the, hooked that when up for the you boxing glove hits me. you in the head <laughs> yeah you over revved exactly oh, uh-huh right. So we've got the oil pressure light on a separate center. It's at the top of the, the top of the gauge panel. It's a big red light. If you miss it, then something is really wrong with you. Uh, other people have temperature overheat lights, and really clever people to set up a coolant pressure warning light. So when your cooling system gets below like four psi, which means you just blew a hose or your light or you're low on water, it lets you know so you can get in before you totally. Oh, cook we should have had basket. that for Jeff. Right? And yeah, the, right, and Jeff, for the Wardford. Right, Jeff. Yes. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yes, so, you didn't have that. In general. Look, no, no. When it's out of water, temperature gauge doesn't work. Exactly. Yeah. Good thing to know. Actually, really, that's a nice thing to know. When, when there's no water touching the gauge sender, it doesn't say anything. Or it'll give a that's really why you need a pressure gauge, just like Chris said. <laughs> right. So basically, you have to give enough information to the driver to keep the car from failing enough help you know if they if you trust them enough you can give them a little bit more to make sure that you can tune it well and push the envelope 
if you don't trust them, just stick to idiot lights and keep it simple. Um, and speaking of, of trying to idiot proof things, Jeff, what do you think oh. about all this? Oh. Well, oh. No, no, that's actually what my thing says. Wah, wah. So you're I'm still tight. You're still about, writing it, so I don't even. We don't even know what you're talking. Well, about. I'm fixing things because I didn't get to read all of your stuff before I got here. I'm too busy on the tilt a whirl. Tilt the hurl. The tilt and hurl. Yeah. So as always, I'm going to talk about things that are less than perfect. So when you're janky and you're driving janky things, and and also in our business, you're putting people in the car who aren't sure of it, who haven't been on it. Mental said we didn't put in this gauge because we all knew about it. Chris said, you know, like mark things that they're idiot proof. That's what I'm talking about, idiot proof. So, oh, my phone keeps turning off here. Hold on a second. There we go. And that's your notes oh, too. It's a shame. I know it's my notes. So um, you need to think for the driver. A lot of times we need to check a gauge and we call the driver. And we say, well, you know, what does the temperature say? Do you know what o'clock everything should be? Chris mentioned that they're clocking them. But do you know if noon is good or one is bad or two is bad or three is bad? What's a 12 mean? What's a 14 mean? Someone in the paddock should know what all the gauges look like. So you can say top left that gauge where's the needle pointing sometimes they're not going to be able to read it sometimes if they're like omar they're just going to reply it's fine they just look good <laughs> no that's not what we want they're where there is the needle, <laughs> the needle points them, at numbers yeah points at numbers it's up yeah it's up but it's actually up. it's up is probably something you're going to be able to get out of a driver more than you're going to get, say, oh, it's pointing at 12 or it's pointing at 14. So that's why I'm saying you should know. Has anybody ever taken a picture of the lights so that you have it? I don't know. Good thought. Um, so here's some other things. You shouldn't live with things that are bad. You should fix them. Chrissy already mentioned how horrible the seat was in the boat. We talked all the time about making a custom insert. We never did. Custom inserts are going to be a lot better than your standard old butt pad. If you Google how to make a two-part expanding foam custom insert, you'd be surprised at how easy it is. It's basically pouring goo in a trash bag. Chrissy, did we ever make you one? Um, no. I, I made myself a, a seat that had from the, uh, what do you call it, Tempur-Pedic. Remember made a oh, yeah, Tempur-Pedic right. Tempur little, it still didn't, it didn't help the side, though. That's my problem. That, that, but, that, but we could have made that with a custom insert. We just yeah. never nah, did. You just said... Screw yeah. you. We just said, yeah, who cares? So uh, Chrissy actually mentioned one of the bad things about the seat, but she didn't mention the other part. If you adjusted the seat back because you're tall, you actually couldn't reach the shifter. The gears <laughs> that went up, Absolutely couldn't right. get there. Um, you look, can push it forward with your... Exactly, you can push it forward with your fingertips. You're like dainty. Uh -huh. Yes. It's like that, like that guy driving the bus on the internet with two fingers. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we should have fixed these. And this is our fault. So this is where you don't do what we do. We could have bent the giant phallic-shaped shifter to wherever we needed it. We could have made a custom insert, but we didn't. We could have used a porter power to squeeze in that aluminum seat, and we didn't. So we need to do it more often. Um, I am going to say that I saw a really cool thing on the IMSA streets of Toronto race the other day. A guy was a little short guy and he had to go into the car. And instead of having his butt pad, like carrying it with him and shoving it in the seat, 
It was sewn to the inside of his race suit. <laughs> so that I guess he that's said, dedication to your butt pad. But uh-huh. he said it never shifted, it never moved, and it gave him better feel of the car. So there you go. If you're really short, you take care of it, not the car itself. But yeah. this is just what I want to end with. Build naturally. Does the key, or does the cutoff switch work like a normal key? Does the shifter able to be reached by human arms? These are all things that you should look at and make natural if you're going to be putting in your car that they might not make sense. They might not have a lot of practice in. That's a great point about the kill switch, Jeff. You've got to have it in a spot that the driver can see and reach and will kind of naturally reach for. Like, that's why we try to put ours right by the ignition switch because your right hand naturally, like, just from years of driving on the street, unless you have a Porsche, your right hand goes to turn the ignition <laughs> key off, and that makes it easy. So keep keep it close. And and make it turn the proper direction. Yeah. That mm-hmm. big deal. Big Clockwise thing. is on. Counterclockwise is yep. off. Just like every street car. Absolutely. Yeah. Good oh, line. Two things on there. And one of the things is I do your, your point about don't put up with things that are bad. You know, lemons is an evolving series and there is a mentality of lemons of just make it work and get out there and take the checkered flag. That doesn't translate. Well, if your car and your team start to evolve, you're going to be going a lot faster and that just make it work mentality doesn't work. All of the three pedal mafia cars are alarmingly quick. The, the Black Betty, the TR got scary towards the end of its lifespan. The, the Ombre, of course. The, <laughs> the TR was scary every race it was ever <laughs> in. Parked, the TR was scary. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and it, so you do have this mentality, and when you start getting into other series where they're rather than building a car from junk to race it, they're taking race cars that are ca- coming down the scale. It's a different mentality of, oh, this this won't work. We'll stay up all night just to adjust this comfort thing when in Lemons there's a harden-up type thing. The other aspect of it is recognize, especially the builders and the long-term owners out there, your race car is going to evolve, and you have to incorporate all these things. Right now, Maryland, they just added the switch for the cool shirt. It's directly between the on-off switch and the push button for the ignition, which is like the worst place for it ever. <laughs> and we all noticed it as soon as they installed it because they never had to run a cool ship before. Jeff? Uh, I just want to mention that, you know, the mentality of suck it up, buttercup, and get out there when it's not perfect is great on the day of. But between races, you have a chance to fix that shit, so fix it. That's mm. good, good call. All right. Uh, I think that wraps right. us up. Everyone, everyone's most disappointing segment? No. Yay. Yes. Just Okay. And all tip. the families around me are like, what is that guy doing? Right? Why screaming are you, just the tip. What you saying? Johnny, Johnny, get Okay. Freddie, get the gun. Get the gun. This this week we're discussing how and how much to eat and drink during the race during a race okay what you need to do figure out what your body can handle so some of our teammates one named aptly ralph uh likes to throw he doesn't like to throws up in the car um so he can't eat anything before it goes out so uh i he, he typically takes the first shift uh and then i hope he eats after he's done racing so Why is the guy um, who pukes taking the last shift because he well he built wanna- the car <laughs> yeah yeah and then 
he doesn't have to eat before it. Um, but anyway, so uh, one idea is eat breakfast really early in the day, so then you are energetic, but you're not full at race time. Um, some eat moderate meals like pasta or sandwiches to give them energy and stamina. Uh, IndyCar racer Charlie Kimball is a, a type 1 diabetic. Obviously, I googled that. Um, so he's, he eats a grilled chicken breast before the race. Uh, some real racers eat selected amounts so they don't mess up corner waiting. That's not uh, us. Oh, we are no. not that good. <laughs> or, or you just drink enough coffee to take that nice big quality juice. Right? Thanks. Thanks. Where would okay. we set the corner weights between my fat ass or other people's skinny ass? I won't call out people correctly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I conveniently set them for me, figuring that I'm kind of about the you're kind of middle of the, middle. the road. Yeah, exactly. You are. You, you're, you're, the, uh-huh. you're the porridge that Dorothy ate. Uh-huh. All right, so uh, if it's going to be a long shift, some food is needed to make sure you're eating stuff. Um, we have goo, um, and that really makes a difference in three-hour shifts. And uh, and I used to like to eat a bar, but don't eat stuff that's uh, like acidic and stuff. Okay. What, is, what, is, what is goo? For, for people who don't run marathons and stuff, explain what goo is. Goo is a, uh, a small packet of energy. Uh, some have caffeine in them. They are different kinds and they will give you energy and caffeine. Um, it's and basically uh, gel full of sugar. Yeah, well, some of them are bee stacks. Yeah. Bee stacks are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, it's, it's, like, it's like a yogurt or a gogurt that, you know, it's just a little thing you can stick in up and suck in real quick. Yes, except no dairy, just no, gel. Just gel. Goo is what it's called. Okay, thanks for that clarification. Okay, what's not smarting? Uh, not, I'm sorry, what is not smart? Not eating anything, drinking too much, and not drinking enough water. Drinking too much alcohol when you're not driving. That's what the, drinking too much, but not drinking enough water. So consider a camelback and a goo for the car, uh, especially if you're doing over two hours. My stomach has a clock in it, so anytime I race and I know that I'm going to be <laughs> it's so true. Uh, anytime I know that I'm, when I'm racing, it's going to be either lunch or dinner time, I know I'm going to start running on empty. So I usually try to eat as much as I can before, and then I try to save myself some lunch or dinner in case when I get out of the car and I'm super hungry, um, and there's nothing left because all your teammates ate all the food. Uh, you actually have something to eat. Which is why we get radio calls. Don't eat all the pasta! I'm right? hungry! Well, I never say don't eat the pasta because I don't eat the pasta, but um, I usually try to save myself some lunch. Um, so, And you can never have enough water switching between that and Gatorade, even if you don't like it, which I don't really like, but it's always a good idea. So make sure you keep eating and know your body. Know what you need. I've really Absolutely. found it's amazing on the long shifts, like when I've gone the, the three and a half to four and a half hour shifts, and having that snack of a goo or, or something on a full course yellow does sharpen you up a little bit. Like it makes it a little difference because you're out there, your heart rate's like 130 for the whole time you're out there for a lot of the stuff. Yes. So it's it's a yeah. low grade workout and you've got to keep yourself fueled up. So don't don't, don't don't neglect it. It's insidious. You don't realize you're dehydrated. You don't realize you're hungry. You don't realize you're not sharp until it's too late. Totally. My, totally. my my last hella long shift, I couldn't get the goo into my mouth. Seriously. I had That's no yellows. And I was like, <laughs> I'm dying. I'm dying. Uh, but honestly, and, and we talked about driver comfort here, but you need to build a system so that you can get that goo or get that that straw into your mouth in, mm-hmm. in a in a real in a real good and easy way. And uh, Chrissy, I think, saw it on she was watching 24 hours of Daytona or something. The bucket is amazing inside the door bars. Yeah. yeah. The one that drop, we have or yeah, we put the camelbacks camel in the, in the bucket yeah, yeah. inside a bucket. It's real easy to switch. Nobody has to, you know, the tube never falls where I don't need, where I can't find it. Yeah. And, and so we, we put other things in there. And we put the goo in there too. And if you a quick tip for the goo, don't tear it open, but start the tear 
with before you get in the car because when you have gloves on you can't start a tear with your with your muppet gloves on but when it's already started you can finish the tear and then reach up under your helmet and squeeze most of it in your mouth and throw it on the ground so all right cool awesome next Next week week next week folks to the surprise of everyone because i just typed this up we're gonna have live girls on the show that's right we're talking ladies in motorsports Pros, amateurs, everything in between. We're looking for some possible guests. We haven't gotten some replies yet because we haven't sent the emails yet, but that's okay. In the meantime, get a hold of us on our social medias, Everyone Racers Facebook page, Instagram or Twitter at everyone.racers, or email us at everyone.racers. Just we're going to let that show kind of free form as it happens, ladies in motorsports, because we need more of them. Yep. Cool. So if you're a lady and if you're a podcast listener, I'd like Please. to say. Hey, Thank mental? you for downloading us. Yeah, hey, quick, <laughs> Jeff, stop, stop. Music. Let mental read it because with the speaker on one microphone and you on the other one, it didn't sound great in the intro. So mental, oh, can read go us ahead, out mental. Look at that on the fly production, folks. Thanks for downloading us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Everyone Racers. We hope you to join us in the world of driving, racing, and building because everyone can be a racer, even you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button on iTunes. We're told we're on Google Play. We're told we're not on Google Play. We'll figure it out. But wherever you get your podcast, or just go straight to the Shout Engine page. If you have any questions, want to give us some show ideas, or drop us a comment on our Facebook page, Everyone Racers, or like the Race Team Facebook page, Three Pedal Mafia Lemons Race Team. If you'd rather not venture into the void that is the Book of Faces so they can steal more of your information and manipulate your data, just email us at everyone.racers at gmail. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at everyone.racers. Thanks again. And until next week, keep the shiny side up. Unless, like us, there is no shiny side. Then just keep the wheels down.